knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Everyone, thanks again for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. Just a couple of reminders. Hunting Hub gets you 20% off wilderness athlete or working athlete. And then also Clint 10 gets you 10% off Ridge Patrol, the women's hunting clothing line. That has been a issue for a lot of women trying to find clothes that fit. And for those tall women, I know they're working on some tall lines of clothing as well. So check that out. Uh, Nice quality clothing from what I've been hearing and seeing. Uh, So check that out. But in this episode, we are mid-season. It's October 19th. Elk seasons are wrapping up for archery or, or close to, kind of depending on where you're at. Rifle First rifle is happening right now. It's the last day of first rifle in Colorado. So hopefully I know a buddy or two is out there trying to fill the tags. So good luck to them on their last day. But... In this episode, I was looking at just a couple of things. Um, just wanted to catch up on the seasons, a couple lessons learned, uh, look at uh, how I structure my season, uh, uh, put some thought into it, and just maybe some some ways of structuring your season to make the make the most of it. And I've got a couple of tips there. Uh, I've got a, I'd say it's a good approach. And lastly, in an interaction with a hunter that I had that has had me thinking for the last week. So just wanted to share that and uh, know that there's some learning points, teachable moments in all of that. So thanks again for all the support and sticking with me with these uh, slower recording months. Tried to batch record and get a bunch out there. Got through October, most of halfway through October, and then hunting season starts and it's just a, a tough go. But I did run into Aaron Snyder owner of Kafaru. Uh, he was buying a doe tag for his doe hunt here in South Dakota. Saw him, chatted with him for just a quick minute, sent him a message, and he said he'd love to uh, come on the podcast and record one down the road. So uh, just want to get through the hunting seasons. However, he hunts you around, so that's going to be a problem to uh, wrangle him. So we'll see how we can do that. But that'll be cool. So I got to think about what things we want to talk to Aaron about. So if you got any advice, tips, questions, things you want to hear from Aaron Snyder, he is a hunting fool. So uh, I think he's a wealth of information and I don't want to screw that interview up. So send me some questions or specific topics, content that would be good for that interview. So thanks again for listening and enjoy this episode. So I had been sharing 
a little bit about this September bear hunt in Minnesota that I was going to be doing and had a listener and my new buddy Mark invite me to Minnesota to sit over some of his bait piles and and uh, see if we couldn't connect on a bear and that's exactly what happened. It's kind of funny how that works. You you get an invite of someone you've never met, and then you go and, and meet them, and now we're friends. And so it's just kind of a cool deal to uh, and what the hunting community can do and um, connect people. So I had a great time. Enjoyed getting to know Mark and his family. He's out in Colorado right now finishing his last day. I know he was on elk the day before with high, high hopes. And then I think the next two days, zero elk. So that's the way that goes. He found a really good bull, a couple littler bulls. Uh, it's frustrating. Even though he probably was the first one there, he still, on opening morning, he still lost those bulls. And that's what happens. They just kind of disappear. It's almost like they know when that season's open. And I had told him when we were cruising around uh, in Minnesota, he was he was wondering about quality of bull he sh- should shoot. And I said, shoot the first legal bull you can find. And that's that's honestly the case. Colorado is uh, in, in some of those one-point units, over-the-counter units. First season is a draw unit. So you, you really ought to take those first opportunities you got uh, unless this is, is your fifth, tenth, 15th bowl even then some guys that's that's all they want they just want to fill their tag and and it's the experience but if you're looking for a good quality bowl then in colorado you're going to work for it it's a, that's a tough thing to do there's a lot of people a lot of tags given out and it's a it's a struggle so what i'm doing is i have my over-the-counter units in or areas spots in that in colorado but i'm saving up for a few points, um, maybe about 10 or so is kind of what I'm shooting for into a certain area. And when you get into those sorts of situations, you can increase that quality, but the -the over-the-counter stuff is getting jam packed and you got to really work and find some of those places that, that people are not. And it's tough to scout that in the, before the season, because it may look all great and grand, but the one thing you can't scout for unless it's the season before is the human pressure, the hunter pressure. So that's a, that's a challenge. And, uh, I don't, I don't have a good solution to that other than just being there year after year and figuring it out and finding spots. And that's what I was fortunate enough to do to live there for a little while and figure it out and find some spots. But even then I don't feel like I have a lot of success there. Um, or or feel like I could go back and have any guaranteed success. I think I could find elk, um, uh, I knew I could find elk. I know I could find elk before a recent report from one of my, the guys I met in the woods in my, in kind of my little honey hole, good spot. He had said that, uh, an outfitter had lost some of the, the, um, lease leasing opportunities around this piece of ground. And now he is focusing on this piece of ground and they put a camp right in between where I shot my bull last year and where my bull died. So there, now there's a camp there. So you've got two, three hunters in there all through the season, I'm sure. And then on top of that, the outfitter that took over his old lease is now creating all kinds of pressure. So again, those, those little honey holes and things can get blown up. Even in these remote areas, they can get blown up pretty easily. 
So it's a sad deal when that happens and it's just starting all over again to find find some good spots. However, if you have one, two, three, four spots that you can figure out and learn, then you can jump back and forth. And I bet someday that, that area will, will uh, brighten up again and we'll have some good luck in there. So hopefully I can get back there in the future next year is when that's going to happen and try and get on uh, some of those areas where I know those, those elks are going to be at no matter what that human pressure is. So anyway, back to the September bear hunt. Uh, Mark invited me. Little different thing. I've I've hunted a lot of bears in in Colorado, but hunting over bait was a new thing. And there's a lot of work that the guys put into uh, with this baiting and and getting the bait station set up with the right bait, lures, placing that bait, getting trail cameras on there, and trying to follow see what's happening. And speaking of trail cameras, right now these Tacticam cameras are super popular and i think they're just advertising like crazy throwing whole end caps at shields and cabela's full of these these tacticams and i'm not 100 percent sold on them they're uh I, I think they're missing a lot of pictures some of these cameras are working really well other ones they're they're a little tough and boy are they expensive i got the solar ones so don't have to worry about batteries or anything so those are 180 a piece i think and then uh the membership plan or the the data plan is is a little spendy and if you go over that 1500 uh pictures then you have to up that plan for all your cameras and the issue that i had was one poorly set camera with branches all over just racked that up and i couldn't get back there to replace it uh couldn't shut the camera off anything like that so it just racked the data up and then boom there's 150 bucks uh in in data plan upgrade so just a little thought um had a spy point i've got the spy points before i really haven't set those this year but there's something about those I think might be worth looking at. But the the Tacticam, kind of nice to set up. Nice to I like the app. Uh, I heard the Browning app is not not as friendly, but I like this Tacticam app, and it was nice and easy. I just am not 100 percent on their their uh, performance yet. The customer service is good when you can get a hold of them. Uh, we'll find out here when I give them a call and and talk to them about a camera that's just not taking pictures i walk past it and it just doesn't take them so and it's on i know it's on so anyway so on these september bear hunts they got all those things set up and my buddy mark was struggling with that same camera issue there uh but maybe they weren't hitting it so i did a couple of sits uh right away in the in the first couple days morning evening sits just in those last three hours of the day I know there's a lot to maybe some of this sitting bear country and where you're supposed to sit and the wind direction and all this stuff, but I really didn't know. I just kind of went in and sat where, where Mark had the stuff, and I'm sure he's got kind of some thoughts around placement of those, but we didn't really check the wind. And I know with bigger bears from previous podcasts have recorded that those bigger bears aren't necessarily going to come in unless it's absolutely perfect. They know you're there. So it went all the way to the very last hunt in the last five minutes of light. No joke. I don't think I've ever had that happen before with the bottom of the ninth and uh, bases loaded kind of situation. And that's exactly what it was. Had a, a sow that we had 
seen before and the um, Mark's wife had had a opportunity at uh, two nights before. So she came on in and uh, not a big bear, but weighed it right in at like 196 or so uh, is what that I've never weighed a bear before officially, but that's when that's what that one weighed. So it's kind of cool to see, see a weight on them. So not a big bear, but a good healthy bear, uh, did not have cubs with it, was not wet at all. Uh, and made a great shot on it. It was quartering too. I knew from the pictures before that as that bait bear came in, it was just going to lay down right there and still be facing. So I drew, as she's coming in and had uh, her facing, uh, actually I waited till she was broadside and then drew, then she turned back towards me and I held that draw for for uh, 45 seconds or so. It was a little long, but held that. She gave me a little bit more of a quartering two shot, pulled the trigger and nice hit just the back of the shoulder blade where it's nice and soft went right through that and double lunged and she went about 70 yards 50 50 yards or so and piled up right there and had a pretty sure she had a little death moan in there which was kind of cool to to hear but it was just more of that struggling in the the grass and was out pretty quick so that was pretty neat neat scenario there got me home a little slower than was planned we were up a little later and i had to get on the road so we got her skinned out and it's kind of fun to have a party of people show up to say yep we're coming to help take care of the bear and get things taken care of and this bear i believe had quite a story we started skinning her out and we saw uh shotgun pellets all over like some eight shot just everywhere it almost had looked like, and in this area, that's why I don't have a problem shooting the sows. Is the landowners like get rid of them; they don't want them. Uh, and pretty sure a nearby landowner had uh, shot it in the chest and forearms, uh, where all of that be it's almost like she was standing up, and all of those BBs were all over in her forearms and embedded in her chest, all over. So that's the second bear I've shot with uh, shot in it. The last one. In Colorado had shot in its hind end, so that one was going away. And then uh, there was this poor sow uh, had another situation with a 308 where uh, it ended up being a, a shot that went in the neck, lower neck, and out just behind the jaw and thought she would be dead. Uh, this was not, not my shot, but it, it went off, and the next day we saw it, caught it on camera. And it's sitting there at the bait pile chewing away, and you can see a hole in the side of its neck there, about the size of a, a little bigger than a quarter. So that poor sow just had, that, there was that hole, and then I knew that it was going to come back after seeing it on that camera again. So that's why I sat that bait pile, and in it come and died with an arrow. So that bear got shot with a shotgun, shot with a 308 rifle. And then got shot with the bow and died at the bow. So kind of a interesting series of, of things there. But that bear had a had a rough go. And based on just the, the wear in her teeth, I'd say she's a good mature bear. And I'm pleased to take her. Excited about having some more, more beer, bear meat. And uh, add to my, my sausage pile. Add to the, the, the various things I like to do with bear. Because I love eating bear. It's a good mix. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. 
Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And now on to looking at October and late September. I've been looking at some motivated to, to get out and do some bow hunting, but I just don't want to. I don't want to take away from some of those hunts I have later on in the season. September guys have been hitting it hard with, with archery deer and, and I don't have an elk tag this year, so that's not in the cards, but, uh, really not our season here is really long and other seasons I know and across the West can be kind of long for archery. Uh, and I just don't want to hunt that early season. I'm kind of an oddball out. I don't want to shoot a velvet buck. I would much rather hunt them in the rut, hunt them hard horn when they're big and burly and, and just sweet looking and you're, you're interacting with them or, or, uh, sneaking up on them when they're kind of dumb. So that's my goal this year is to hit a, shoot a mule deer out in the prairie in this October time with, with all the other people that I've been working with on hunts is notice that early season is very patternable late September, mid October. Right now is the lull. It seems like, Oh, there's bucks on camera for the first, uh, for three nights in a row. And then all of a sudden nothing, (laughs) absolutely nothing. So it's kind of frustrating. Not sure. Uh, I know that's the case. Usually the mornings in October have been rough. Evenings have been a little bit better. So if you're looking at when to hunt some whitetails, look at those evenings in October and later we go, the better it's going to be. So I'm trying not to burn myself out on any kind of hunts. I want to wait until I have that, that later October, early November, and I've got a sweet hunt planned that I'm excited for four or five nights, uh, four nights, five days or so, uh, in a backpack archery hunt out on the plains of South Dakota, been shooting, been scouting. I got a uh, route in planned and I am excited. I got gear is set, plans are set, uh, things at home should be set and good to go. Uh, So that should be a a fun, fun season as well as my Colorado late season. It's a December 1st to the 15th. Uh, I believe those are the dates, but that's the, the late season deer hunt I have in the plains of Colorado. Did a bunch of scouting, got waypoints dropped all over the place for plan A, B, and C. Camping spot is reserved and know where I'm going, know what I'm doing. Even going to add in some pheasant hunts over there during the middle of the day or hopefully we fill and, and I can go do, do some of those pheasant hunts as well, which would be pretty fun. 
So the last thing I wanted to, no, not last, I got two of the main things. Uh, another thing I wanted to add in here was just structuring my season. And I mainly structure my seasons around big game. And I know I did, did that last episode on bird hunting, upland hunting, uh, but big game is my main deal. And trying to structure things around uh, the goals for the season is what I've been doing. Trying to keep, you like to try and keep those those weekend hunts. A lot of guys will do that. They have their weekend, uh, second November, second week in November. I mean, that's their their deer hunting time, and that's that's when they go. And then they've got September elk. Like, okay, we've got that that little time there. And so you you've set your weekends and you set your weeks for the same hunts. And I don't always like to do that. I, I really like to mix some things up. However, those guys that do those same hunts year in, year out, really get to learn areas, really get to learn uh, how to hunt certain spots and get pretty well. What I really like to do is plan my out-of-state big hunts first. So if I know I'm going to be dropping some points, those go on the calendar first. So Colorado went on the calendar, September bear hunt went on the calendar, and then I'm going to work everything around that. My wife had reminded me that last year was get a whole bunch of tags on go on a whole bunch of little short hunts is actually what they ended up being. And they were successful and great and fun, but it was just whacking and stacking deer. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it is looking for maybe more of that experience and adventure. And I didn't get that in a couple of my hunts. So I'm going to try and actually do less hunts probably hunt same amount of days, but less hunts and a little bit more involved, a little more, more details, logistics, all of those fun things. So I've got those planned out and I suggest doing the same, mix those up and you're going to do that based on your preference points. And if you put in for Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, or whatever other States you put in for, uh, mixing those up to like, this is, this is this year I go to Colorado. This is the year I go to Wyoming. This is the year I go to Montana. And slowly here, I'm going to start getting in that rotation of those three states on top of South Dakota. Just can't. I have a normal job where you just can't spend the money to do all of them all the time and can't spend that kind of time, more importantly, uh, away from the family and away from a job. So really want to try and get some rotations in there with antelope hunts, elk hunts, deer hunts that are out of state and then still got to go back down to Arizona, but we got to get, uh, some things taken care of in the, in the administration office to, to bring down some gas prices. And I know just seeing what's happening in the OTC archery hunts in, in Arizona seems like that's changing based on some popularity. Um, and I'm sure Ryan can speak to that a little bit more with Hunt AZ, but definitely some popularity units closing much sooner and quicker, uh, dealing with drought and, uh, health of that herd there. So concerns with that, uh, may not be the, the hunt it was five, eight years ago. So, uh, we'll have to get some input from Ryan on that one. Next, after those out of state hunts, those big ones, I'm going to focus on those in-state opportunities and not let them override anything else. Just like I was doing with the October season and just waiting. I've got other things I want to do. If I don't fill that, that archery tag in November, it's no big deal, but I'm trying to focus on those big hunts. And those are my hunting days. A lot of us get an allocated amount of times, like 
you get a couple of weekends and any more like that than that, you're going to, you're going to really put some stress at home in. And then add in there extra doe tags, little extra things that might be the good evening hunt, um, or just a close to home sort of deal. Leave. I did that literally an hour ago, ran up the hill, just wanted to check the camera, but tried a couple little stocks on some, some whitetails, uh, that, that failed. Just, I really wasn't trying to be too successful with them, uh, because they're so close to some houses and probably wasn't even going to be taking any shots, but it was just kind of fun to see how close I could get in a quick amount of time. Another thing that I am doing now is also trying to leave some room for some bird hunts. And I highly suggest it, even for Western hunters, talking to Kyle Warren with Paint River Llewellyn's, he's, he, guys are looking at like the quail hunting in, down south, the southwest, and the grouse hunting out in the plains of Montana, South Dakota, Wyoming, and in Colorado. There's there's some great plains upland hunting, and we all, a lot of hunters love their, their hunting dogs. So I know we're a lot of big game hunters, but don't forget those opportunities, as well as duck hunting. I, I love eating pheasant and upland, but... A good mallard is a tasty, tasty thing, and I've got a sweet spot uh, for work lined up to do some duck hunting, and I can't wait for that. It comes much later in the season. So add in some of those those hunts and try and schedule them in. So October. October has been my bird hunting month. Uh, spending some a little bit of time. I've already been out three, four times already uh, with minimal success, but uh, it's still a good learning experience and, and having a good time chasing after some, some of those hunts. So that's kind of how I structure my, my fall trying to include, uh, my big hunts. And then it's going to change from year to year. There's, there's a couple of things that I'll, I'll rotate through here. Uh, but I, I like to, I like to mix it up and, and get some of those different experiences. And it teaches me a lot hunting in different terrain, uh, whether that's I'm shooting for some high alpine stuff in the next couple of years with elk, uh, down to the prairie for mule deer, then up higher in, in the mountains for mule deer and just mixing it up. It's a lot of fun to, to, to try and learn some new things in that way. The last thing for you in this solo episode today is an interaction I had with a supposed experienced hunter. I was buying some antlers from a guy and of course, like all, all, antler buys i'm standing there talking to people it's fun to hear kind of some of their stories as they're selling off maybe maybe a lifetime of antlers and that sort of thing this guy's probably in his 50s and has been hunting for years and years and years like he's been hunting he's he's got quite a few points for elk he'll be going elk hunting here pretty soon and he started complaining about why on earth would the state not allow access to the shooting preserve a public shooting area uh in this so-and-so it's blocked off you can't get to it i talked to the game warden and he said that well if you get permission you can walk across and get to it it's like okay none of what you're saying is making sense but i think i know what you're trying to say i think you're trying to say some, there's some forest service or blm that is landlocked and you can't get to it this guy's been hunting for a long time, and this is not the first situation, conversation I've had with people that are experienced hunters that are misinterpreting or not understanding or just totally uneducated on some of these basic public land or uh, laws and regs in your state. And I know this is in South Dakota, but forget about that. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing throughout the West and in the East. People are 
there's a lot of uneducated hunters out there that just don't understand state versus federal. Uh, they don't pay attention to the laws and regulations on things. Uh, and that's where you get the complaining and whining and lack of support for a state agency. And here at Western Hunting Hub, we support state agencies. That's a, a big thing for me, uh, considering I work for one. But I, I see the inside work going on, and it's just misinterpreted uh, for the most part from what I've seen. And I'm sure each state, we do all make our mistakes, but uh, each state agency uh, has got some really things good, great things going for it. Uh, but anyway, back to this guy. So I figured out, it's like, okay, shooting preserve. Like, you don't even know the names of this stuff. And then uh, access to it. It's like, well, no, you don't always get access to it. Look at Montana, Wyoming, and Nevada, all the landlocked property there. We're pretty fortunate to have a lot of access to our public land, but there, a lot of it's landlocked, and that's the way it is. And why is it worth being there? It's worth being there so we don't lose it. So it's not gone. And once, if that were to get sold off, it's gone. It's going to be gone forever. So the the federal government might as well hold on to that. And I'm glad they do. Eventually, maybe somewhere down the line, there can be some access uh, through uh, property ownership changes and maybe some easements of some kind. So who knows that that could change or heck Wyoming does some corner crossing things. That'd be kind of crazy and how much that would open up. But interactions like this with, with these hunters and your fellow hunters make this an opportunity for a teachable moment. Uh, and so I did that. I explained some things and he's like, Oh, okay. I had no idea. And I could explain the background, uh, uh, that these lands were divided up in this way and that way. And, uh, and, and that's where you're going to see landlocked property. Uh, so do not assume that your hunting buddies and, and these people you're interacting really understand the, the, how, how things are organized and the rules and regs and be a great time to, to teach and spread the word and help people understand that just a little bit better. You're not giving away hunting holes or, or anything, but just to, to make us all a little bit more informed. And I, I, that was just something I thought about over the last few days. It kind of drove me nuts. Like, come on, man, how are you not, not informed on, on all this sort of stuff? And something that, that you really need to do is check your email and look for these emails that the different agencies put out. Oftentimes they are looking for public input or at the commission meetings, they're looking for public input on things. So if you're complaining about something such as non-residents, unlimited access to your state's tags, and you get an opportunity for a survey to fill out and it ends up having a low success rate of people actually filling out that survey, then those people that didn't fill it out don't have any room to talk. You need to give your input as best as possible. And that is a direct example that I just saw a lot of people complaining about a certain state's access uh, to non-resident tags. It's wide open, no quota. And there was a quota that, or a survey that was put out and less than 10% filled that survey out. So that was an opportunity where that agency was going to make some changes and who knows if they will. Uh, they were going to make some changes based on hunter input and a hunter, hunter input just wasn't there. Not a big enough sample size. Uh, they still may make some changes that, that benefit the hunter, but we'll see. 
that was a great opportunity to, to speak to a commission in a, as a collective and that opportunity was missed. So make sure you're watching out for those things. And instead of just complaining about what a state agency is doing, get involved and uh, speak up at those commission meetings and share some of that information. So thanks again, everybody, for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.